Welcome to Men Are Nuts, a podcast about mental health, emotional health, psychological health, physical health, awareness in men, women and society. First, it started with MAN, the acronym for Men Are Nuts. And we have a very special guest on the show for you, to, for you today. Where I'm hot, it's where I am, it's hot, extremely hot. I'm not sure what the temperature is where he is. So can you introduce yourself? Yeah, hey, how's it going, everybody? My name's Levi, uh, Levi Weddle. I'm here in Texas in the United States, and I actually believe somewhere maybe 70s right now in Austin. And so it's not, no, actually 56. I was corrected. But it's been it's been nice weather. You know, it's getting there, but like I said, definitely not as hot as where you're from. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Levi, you're from Austin, Texas. Um What's it like today? And what's you know what's what are things what's what's kind of like the climate like? What's what are things what's happening today? You know, what are you doing today? Yeah, man, Austin is booming. Um, there, there's so many people moving here right now from California, from all other places of the world, really. And so it's like the market is booming, but the housing industry is really suffering. Um, Inflation is obviously hitting everybody with everything going on, and so it's 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 becoming almost like a New York. It's getting very expensive. It's starting to get hard to live here, and some some of the locals are starting to get forced out. And you know, it's it's hard to see. But you know, I didn't always live in Austin. I grew up in West Texas, Midland. Um, so it's like where they do a lot of the oil and gas and everything. But yeah, um, did a lot of oil field work. And then I moved here about six years ago. And so now I'm actually, I, I'm working on creating my own business as a mobile mechanic. And so I go around and it's like, with today's world, you know, a lot of people have to work from home. They don't have a lot of time to go to the shop. And, you know, when when they do get time finally to, you know, have a minute, they don't want to spend it having to take it to the shop, you know, dropping a car off or anything. And so I've, kind of just created what my dad was doing growing up and I just started a mobile mechanic business and just bringing the convenience of coming to people in cheaper than a shop. Yeah, fantastic. And it's good, really, because it's been, you know, I keep seeing on Instagram this, this for the last maybe five years, this this drive for entrepreneurism and if you, if you, you know, you know you have to pick up your Instagram and you, you see people talking about being an entrepreneur and being, working for themselves and, and uh, you know, and I think it's good that people you know, obviously, not everyone's going to be able to do that, and and which and they shouldn't, because at the end of the day, there's a service industry, and at, at some point, your business will grow, and you'll have to employ someone. So, how would they be an entrepreneur? So, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's kind of swings. Yeah, around about. that all makes sense. Yeah, so it makes sense. You know what? Some of us will be entrepreneurs, and some of us won't. Um, so, um, Texas is um, in the in the past. It's been known for. The, the Stetsons and the the, the 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 cowboy hats is is that something that still exists with the with with everything with the mo- I know I've seen it on I, I do know it exists in certain places but is is that something that you see or is it or we just uh, is that um, like a figment of my imagination? <laughs> it is not a figment of your imagination. If I would go down and I show you the dash of my truck right now, yeah. I have. I have two cowboy, I have two <laughs> oh, cowboy yeah. hats on my dash of my truck, and I actually I have another one in my bedroom right now. So it's like <laughs> it, it depends who you speak to, though. You know, it's like I was I was raised very country. Um, you know, you have you have a lot of the city people as well. That it just kind of depends if 
what you're wearing it for. It's like you have some people that will that will wear them for fashion now. Um, you know, I wear them just because I work outside. I don't want to get my neck sunburned. <laughs> you, you need a few here, actually. Probably one on top of each other. Yeah, you probably need them more over there than here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost it, it's funny because we talk about stereotypes and people say, oh, don't stereotype, but they are stereotypes, isn't they? People often associate the word stereotype to be a negative, and but it can be the thing that's just a traditional thing. People wear traditional dress there or traditional clothing there, and, and it's just and tex, being a Texan is synonymous with wearing wearing a hat, isn't it? Because obviously the cow, cowboy and cow, you know, cowgirl and all that sort of thing. Um, have you ever have you ever rode the Bronco? Man, uh, I rode I rode horses like as a kid growing up. Um, I've never broke one in or like went like rode a wild horse. No, I've never done bull riding. Um, that takes that takes a special kind of Texan or person to do. Yeah. Um, I'm not not in that category. <laughs> You're special. We're not that kind of special. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's that's not that's not for me. I'll go watch. You know, it's fun to watch, but I'm not putting myself out there. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, you said you you you, you, you class yourself as a Texan Texan boy, Texan lad, Texan man. Would you, through and through. You're through and through, and you you wear that on through and you through. wear that on your sleeve, your heart, your heart on your sleeve. I will. <laughs> yes, sir. I will. Yeah. But, and that's that's been one of the hardest parts about moving to Austin is growing up in Midland. It was, like I said, I grew up country, and so it's like Midland's a smaller town, but it is very country. You work out in the oil field, you do like oil field work on ranches, farms, a lot of stuff like that, just in the oil and gas industry. And like, I'd be out there on the ranches, and you're three or four miles away from the road. And then once you get to the road, you're probably 15, 20 miles away from the nearest small town. And so it's like, I was I was just used to having days where I'd hardly see nobody until I got home. And so now I'm, now I'm in Austin and man, the traffic, there's people. So it took some getting used to, but I don't know if I'll ever get used to the traffic. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss the small town still. Oh, do you? Obviously growing up around here. I do. Just then, about what we're going through now with the inflation and things like that. More because I saw, I think I saw something the other day where I think I saw, I think it's again on Instagram where I can't remember what it was, but basically there was a there's a video where there's loads of cars parked outside, loads of cars and parked outside one house, and they're saying that's the state of of housing, the housing crisis at the moment that people want to buy a house, but inflation is putting up the prices. So you're finding that. Your with your town or city, people coming in, but then that's driving up the uh, the prices. Yes, so it's like what we've seen here a lot in Austin specifically is it's like I I used to do before I started my business as a mobile mechanic. I used to do outside sales for a home improvement company, mm. and I would be talking to some of these homeowners, and they would tell me that some of their neighbors or they're trying to sell their house or they're thinking about it. And there's some people in California who the house is unseen. They haven't seen it, anything like that. Haven't been there, walked through it. And they're offering them pretty much over a hundred thousand dollars for the asking price cash. And so, and so it's like, that's the hard part. 
it, I, it's slowing down a little bit, but not much. And so it's like the people, you have to go through the obviously the rigorous lines of trying to get approved for a house and everything. And then you finally do and you think you have one. And then all of a sudden, like I said, you just get completely outfit. And so it's like right now, I think it's like if you're really not asking like fifty, sixty thousand dollars over asking price, you're going to get outbid or it's just it's going to take you a really long time to find a house. And it's like there's just so many people coming in and it's like in, in California, for example, you could sell your house there for I don't know, three, four million dollars. You come down to Texas yeah, you can come down to Texas and almost buy a mansion for that. And so it's like. I, yeah, I see why a lot of people are moving here. It is attractive. I mean, obviously, Texas is great. Um, <laughs> no but, intended. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's just, it's getting, it's just getting a little bit difficult. But I think everybody's feeling that right now. It's, it's not just us. Yeah. And your, the last couple of years, um, you know, before, you know, before we start talking about your journey and you growing up and all these things. What's it been like for you as a, not just as a Texan, but as an American, as a man, in a, you know, and surrounded by your family or, or not family? What's it been like for, you, for the last two years? And where were you when this whole thing kind of kicked off with this virus thing? And how did it kind of affect you? So two years ago, when it all started, I was working for that home improvement company. It was a company called Power Home Remodeling. Yeah. And... Honestly, I I have to say I am blessed that I was working there during that time because I know a lot of people weren't taken care of. They lost their jobs. Like, they, they were hurt pretty bad. And so when I was working for the home improvement company, you know, you started hearing about it a little at a time, a little at a time, and all of a sudden it started getting pretty big. And we, we ended up going into the lockdown and... The company, they were paying us out of pocket every two weeks to ensure that we weren't hurting or needing, right? And they were they were very good about bringing the message from top down. And it's like they spread it very well. They let everybody know what's happening. And they were very upfront that they were like, we don't necessarily have the answers but we're going to work through it the best that we can with y'all. And it actually got to a point to where they could no longer pay us out of pocket. And they put us on uh, basically funding from the government and we were getting it from the, the US as well as from Texas. And so that really helped supplement a lot of the loss of work since we were shut down. And that, that was hard because um, it's like, I've always been working my whole life, and so now it's just randomly out of nowhere. You're shut down. You can't go out um, if you already have to be essential. And so I kind of just got stir crazy, um, just sitting at the house. I didn't really know what to do, and you're just you're hearing about everything going on, and it's like it was kind of just a uh, a scary time, I guess. Like you, I'm not old enough to really know how everything works in the world but i'm seeing it just shut down beside us and it's like it was just kind of scary and confusing and it man i don't know how the rest of the world sees it but we've had some interesting leaderships over the last few years or so 
And so it's like we went through a reality TV star, you know, we have our current president right now. And so we've had some interesting leaderships over the last few years. So I feel like the U.S. is perhaps struggling. <laughs> so yeah, it's funny because you mentioned you said the word interesting about three times then, and it's, and, it's, and it's almost like to say something. And I, I get what you mean. From look from this side of the pond, um, and looking and seeing all the things that were happening. During the last two years, obviously you had the, the virus, then you had all the things to do with. It was almost like a, it's like a like a coming together of everything all at once. You had the like you said the presidential, that was in part of it. That was in part of that two year, or the first yeah. year span. And then you had, um, then you had the things to do with the, the George Floyd and all these sort of things and and all these things kicking off. How did you guys feel it? Was the reverberations felt all around, even in, in Texas, of all those things happening? I know, I know politics is a massive thing in, in the US. Um, yes. It kind of is in the UK. It kind of is in the UK. But UK, I don't think they spend, like, I don't know how much, what is it? I don't know how much they spend on, the, you, know, when the, the, you know, when they go on the, the presidential election and they've got oh, the, millions, the easily. That's it, the campaigns. Yeah, we don't have that in the UK, so we don't have the buses going all over the place and, like you say, the campaigns and everybody clapping for them and all that. So, and it was, I was surprised to hear that in the, in the US that they spend millions on the campaigns. A lot of money, and it's you were asking about like the George Floyd thing and everything, and it's like, yeah, Austin, Austin. It's not. Uh, it's a lot more conservative, I guess, to say than the rest of Texas. And so you you felt a lot of that here. You know, you had a lot of the outrage. People were very upset. You know, people were having protests and demonstrations. And it's like it's gotten to the point even to where, like, people in Austin, they've started defunding the police here uh, because of what's been going on. They don't really necessarily want that here. And so they're trying to get less uh, cop involvement, I guess you would say. And so we've, we've definitely, I feel like Austin's a really good melting pot because it's like you have people from everywhere that love to come here. And so you, there's really so many different cultures that you experience and so many different walks of life that you kind of, you do experience a lot here and you do kind of see what's going on, even though you may not be from there, you, you have a really good idea sometimes about what's going on. learn about things and then it's not until something happens that you start to other things start to kind of rear their head so I remember I remember seeing a video a couple of videos where I didn't realize I mean America is a place which is it's quite divisive in terms of you have different laws in different states it's almost like you've got a country but you've got countries within a country so you've got different laws for different states and one one lead like I remember speaking to a guy from California and he was saying that basically during this whole thing, when they told the, the business to shut down, the Californians wouldn't shut, they'd, they'd go back in and reopen the business. And that was all to do with control and guns and all that sort of stuff. And, it's, it, and then it, you might have in one, another city where it just, everybody just goes into lockdown and, and there, there's a fear. 
Whereas in some cities you may have, like you say, California with, <laughs> they were closing the businesses and then they were coming back the next day and they were opening the business back up during, during the, because they didn't want the businesses to close. So it's funny how America yeah. has these and have different mayors and all the mayors that don't sing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like we're not on the same page a lot of the times because like you just said, you have the United States who has the federal law, but then you have the state law and then you have your city ordinances. And so there's so many different levels. And so again, the best way to describe it is the U S still says that marijuana is illegal, but you go to the state of California or some other States and the state says it's legal. So, over there you can do whatever you want you come to texas you get in a lot of trouble so it's like they they don't play around with that so it kind of does make it hard sometimes it's like if you want to go travel you have to make sure you know the laws of the other place just so you're not breaking laws that you didn't even know um so it's it is be and you just mentioned it there kind of it must be hard to navigate you, you, you're not living it's not like a, it's not simple is it it's not nothing simple it's like you said you have to go from one if you're going to one other state you have to do this if you're taking the plane you have to do and you have to make sure that you know you know i've seen things where the, the people have had guns in the car and they, and they said they didn't know that this it was a law not to not to have it there you know all sorts of things so it must be hard as a man to navigate the US in a sense or or do you kind of just you know how do you navigate that as a person honestly this might just be me but I guess I cross my fingers and hope for the best yeah. you know I have I have good intentions I'm not going out there trying to do any harm or do anything wrong I just put thought into what I'm doing and so really it's just trying to do everything with the best intentions really um, like I said, everywhere you go, some places different, different rules, different laws. So honestly, I just kind of try to, at this point in my life, just keep my head down and work and stay out of trouble. So I think that's the best way. That's the best way because I mean, like I say, and the reason why I ask you this is because it's good to hear perspective of people from from the US and different countries because I know that in in the UK we do in the UK living. I don't live in the UK now, but living in the UK when I do go back. It doesn't. We don't have that. It's smaller. It doesn't have that same history, um, and it doesn't. And it's there's not that. It's starting to happen now, but it's not that divisiveness around the, the counties or or cities. So, and you know, we don't. Even though they have elected people from the different cities, the, the councillors, they all tend to sing from the kind of same hymn sheet, which is and it's interesting to hear from America where they don't. Um, I see. Really nice. <laughs> that's, not, that's, not, that's not to say it's, it's easy to live, but it's it's not. We don't have those, like you say, the ordinance and all the all the different factors. And you know, you know, I was, I was surprised one year when when this when was it when Trump got in? Where was it when was it Trump got in? And was it Hillary should have got in, but it wasn't. It was Trump. And you think, <laughs> you know, how did, what was the point in voting if somebody else made the decision to put him there? So it, yes, yeah, there's. Man, I, I don't know if I'm a conspiracy theorist or what, but I don't know if our elections are rigged here in the United States. Like you hear, oh, Russia took care of our elections. They did this or that. 
I have no idea. Like, I honestly don't know if it even matters because, and I, I'm sure somebody will hear that and just, I'll blow their mind and they'll get so mad that they heard me say that. But it's like you have, you have the electoral college and so it's like, oh, well, you have the people vote and it's like if this certain amount of people vote for this, okay, well, this person won the state. Now you have to look at all the states and then break it down. And so it's just like, I feel like they overcomplicate everything in the United States. Literally everything for no reason. Just make it simple. Like everything just has to be so complicated. And so, like, it, I would, I would really prefer a more simplified world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't we all? Um, I was speak, so let's talk about your, your kind of, you as a, as a, as a man, young man. And and the sort of things that you've been through and, and growing up and as a Texan as a proud Texan, um, what was what was life like for you as a child growing up and some of the things that you've been through? Oh, okay. So man, this was this one's pretty tough because it's like I've never really sat down and talked to anybody about it that are like opened up about stuff like that before, really. And so my childhood was actually pretty tough. Um, it was like pretty tough actually and so like I remember growing up my daddy was just I mean I love him like I'll say that before anything I'm not trying to talk bad about him like I just want to say what actually happened you know and it's like I love him but he was a very mean aggressive abusive drunk and it's it's caused me a lot of problems moving forward into my life like trying to like I always said I would never be my dad but but somehow I am him like it I don't know how and so kind of like blows my mind because I am my mom but I'm my dad and I just feel like such a divisive person now because I'm so aware of it like it it really played games with me Um, and so it's like always been tough because it's like especially as like a Texan and then as my dad grew up very country especially being as a guy now it's like oh you don't need medication oh mental health what is that you know suck it up go on with it and so it's like it's really yeah yeah and so it's like I, I grew up like that it's like you don't cry like you don't need to show your emotions things like that and so it's like I've just now started recently like trying to explore my own self and like really figure out issues and try to be better um and it's like like I said just just growing up was very very hard uh I feel like I grew up just in a constant state of like fear um always confused not really knowing what was going to happen when it was just a very volatile situation Excuse me, sorry. My dog keeps looking and will not stop. Give me Buddy. one second. Hey, no, you're so annoying. Buddy, come here. <laughs> sorry about that. Like, all I could focus on is hearing a lick his foot. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say to you then, you know you spoke about your mom. Um, was your mom a, a victim of that... Oh, that what you say abusive or was it just you? Abuse, yeah. So your mum was boxing. No, it was. You 
mentioned this. Yeah, like. Oh, sorry, can I mention you mentioned this as well that you, because we all like our parents, or, and do you find that you're more like one than the other? Oh man, yeah, that's hard because it's like I said, like growing up so much around my dad, it's like he's instilled so much of me into him because just. Growing up as a kid, you have to make those certain connections, and if you don't get them, it does like it changes you as an adult. And so it's like I didn't get a I didn't get a lot of the things that I needed as a child, and so it's like I did kind of become my dad, but my mom was always the peacekeeper in the house because she was there. She had to deal with it just as much as I did, and my sister. She like she bless her. She was just like the literally the peacekeeper of the house and she always handled everything like she's just a to me a good texas woman she doesn't excuse my language she doesn't take any shit from anybody you know like she she does what she needs to do she does what she says she's gonna do and it's like she she took her marriage seriously like she was never gonna divorce my dad i asked her to like and she wouldn't and so it's like she's a very faithful, loving, loyal person. And it's like I'm blessed to have her in my life because if I didn't have her, I would 100% probably be just like my dad. And so it's like I believe she's going to be what helped me kind of break the generational cycle, if that's what you'd call it. Yeah, that's what it's called. It's generation. Is that generations, generational cycle? It could be whatever it may be. It could be narcissistic abuse it could be physical abuse it could be just anything you know anything that maybe it may have been it might be even you know i mean uh, you know gosh yeah i know that as, as a father um that i would never hit my high son but i know that i you know when i was growing up i was you know <laughs> yeah i was beaten all sorts of stuff and 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 that wasn't even anything to do with you know, drink or anything, that was just maybe their way of dealing with, um, I don't know, frustration or whatever it may be, you know, the work, they've been at work and they work all day and then they're frustrated with whatever happens at work and then they see you doing whatever you're doing, you know, I don't know what, you're taking a chocolate bar from a shop or whatever it may be and they, and they, you know, they, they lash out. Um, but, and so yours, your, yours was, yours was based around alcohol. A lot of it, yeah, and it's like my dad still drinks. He's always drank. I've never known my dad not to be a drinker. Yeah. And growing up, just very violent drinker. Like I would remember being at home as a kid. Him and my mom would be in there screaming, yelling at each other. And it's like I remember one specific fight as a kid. Like he's like grabbing the the iron. And he had like thrown it at the wall or something like that. And I heard it break and like explode and everything in there. And it's like, I remember getting up ready for the, for school the next morning. And I could just see it all broken on the house and things like that. And there's like a time he, he was gone for like two weeks. And I was just like worried. Like I didn't know where he was. I didn't know if he was going to come to my soccer game, things like that, you know? And it's like the same thing. It's like, he was abusive. He would like, he would hit me. He was it just like physical abuse, like mental abuse, like terrible, terrible mental abuse, like some of the most terrible things I've ever heard somebody say came from him yeah. to me. Yeah. And, 
band, so like. I was gonna say then as well. You, go ahead. Your face, I was gonna say then your face changed when you, when you said mental abuse and because physical abuse, we almost like it's almost like it, even as a child or even as an adult, you know, as a human being, we we can we can take we can take the when it happens enough, we can take the physical abuse. But it's the mental abuse which causes the most damage because the, yeah. the, the physical abuse is on the outside. Even if it breaks a bone or whatever, it can be mended. But in a sense, it's the mental that breaks you, us down. You can't heal that. Like, there's place that I was a kid and I will never forget some of those things that he said to me. Yeah. It's like, I'll be, I'm almost 30, you know? And so it's just... There's some things, it's like they say, it's like you can't take back the things that you say. And so it's like you have to be careful with what you say. Like, it, they are hurtful. It does hurt people. And, like, as much as it's hurt, it, like, it took me a long time to understand that, you know, he's probably the way he is because he was probably treated the same way. And he probably doesn't know any better. He doesn't have the tools or resources. And it's like, I get it that it was wrong, but he he was probably trying to do the best that he could, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, I, and I can understand. I can understand because I've, I've, I've you know I've, and I've been through this thing and and, um, and I've heard people even on the podcast when they've spoken about the that. There's a part of them that doesn't want to make excuses for the because they love the parent. The, is the, as a child, we see our parents as 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 our heroes, in a sense. We see them as our heroes. They're the ones that's caring for us. We call them mum or mummy or daddy or mum or dad, and and when they do something that's bad to us, we can't com- as a child you can't comprehend why they're doing it. It must be always that you're the bad one. As a child, what did I do wrong in that situation? Why did why did you say that to me? Why did you hit me? And but then they, they may come around to you and may say, "Oh, well, here's a toy," or "I'll take you out for a drive," or and you think, "Well, well, yesterday you were telling me, you know, this, this, and this. I look like this, or I I should do this, but now you're or you were hitting me. Now you're you're giving me a present, and there must and there must have been a lot of confusion then from you." was yeah like and that's one of the things it's like it's made me become very aware like not only of what's going on inside of me but I'm too aware of everybody else I'm always trying to diagnose it's like okay well how did they walk into the room how is their energy it's like are they upset right now it's like why did they talk to me in that tone did they mean it like that it's like there's just so much that I question that it's like I can't almost just focus on it because I have to assess and break it down to the smallest level to try to fully understand it. And it's like, that's that's pretty tough sometimes. That's <laughs> like, the, it's just... That's the word, assess. As a child, you assess. You're trying to assess what, what their mood is going to be like when he comes in through the door. What, you know... Yeah. All those sort of things. Is he gonna? Is he gonna fly off the handle? Is he gonna do this? And it, and it must have left you frightened as a as a. I mean, when did it first start? I mean, can you remember when it first started, or has it kind of just always been there in the background? Oh man, it's 
it's pretty much always been there but it's like the first thing i first instance i really do remember is like the one time that my dad had bought us little uh, honda motorcycles they were like little 50 cc's little kid motorcycles um we were out riding them left them on the sidewalk in front of the house and somebody had stolen them of course and well my dad he had a leather belt like good old country leather belt and then it had it had like his name on it with these metal letters and he wore our ass out with it like i could not sit like i literally cried my eyes out and i was probably like six you know, I, I didn't know any better. I just, an accident, I left it out. Of course, they got stolen. And so it's like, it's always been there. And it's like, one of the, one of the things he said that's always, I'll never forget. There's this one time he had a 69 Camaro that he was leaving out at this guy's storage unit, like out, out outside of his house. Uh, he was like paying, he was paying him to store his car in his shed, basically. I don't know, some argument between them led to that guy pushing the car out to a hailstorm, hailed all over the car, like messed up a, a paint job on it. And so my dad was really, really, really mad. And he had taken his trailer with his truck and he had made me go out there to that guy's house. And he was like getting all the stuff out of that guy's shed and like loading it up onto the trailer. And there was like one of the wall shelves and he had like grabbed it and thrown it outside so it was bent and he was trying to get me to load it up and I was like I was trying to take it apart but it was bent so I couldn't really get it I'm, I'm probably only like 13 14 something like that and he like grabs it and he like throws it down and he like starts yelling at me and he like throws it on the trailer and he like tells me to get in the trailer like there's no there's no walls it's just like a car trailer you pull on it and you strap it down right? No walls, nothing to protect anything from falling off. And, yeah, and he's just got a bunch of junk on there. And he tells me to get on the trailer with it. He doesn't have any straps or anything. And he tells me to hold all of that stuff. And he told me if anything falls off that trailer, it better be me. And it's like, that's that's one thing I will never forget that he said to me. And, you, and that, was, that was when you were old as well. And when at that, that moment... Because you're now, because you were older, were you in a lot of fear then, even at that age? A hundred percent. Like, there's not very many people I'm scared of, like genuinely scared of. But my dad was, my dad was that one person. Like, it would get to the point where I knew he had a Dodge diesel truck. He could be three blocks down the street and I could hear him coming. I could hear it coming to the house and my my anxiety, my heart would start beating because like I said, I don't know what kind of mood he's going to come in. I don't know if I need to start doing something, if I need to get out of the way. Like, I don't know if I'm just about to get in and get like yelled at. And so, like, yeah, like, I was always scared. And so, like, that it caused me to move out early. Like, I just, that was one person I said, he he scared me. Yeah. And so, was his anger aimed at everyone in the house, or was it predominantly you, or was it predominantly you, your mum? And did you? And yeah, just that. I'll ask that question first. Predominantly, the people at the house. Like 
he can go out and it's like that's the hardest part because everybody else thinks he's great you know unless there's somebody that's close and is actually around enough to see like everybody thinks he's great he's the nicest person he's the funniest person you know but at the house come out and just take it out on anybody and everybody there and it's like it wasn't as much he didn't he didn't hit my sister or he didn't hit my mom things like that he would yell at him you know um he would yell out on me and just treat him bad you know but me it's like i kind of got the brunt of it because he would hit me he would yell at me you know he would make me do whatever he would maybe go pick up rocks or cigarette butts out of the yard just things like that you know and so it's like i i took the brunt of a lot of it I'm not, I'm not, you know, psychiatrist or anything, but I'm just, I was just thinking that because I always put myself in, like I say, when, when I'm talking to someone, I always put myself in their shoes. I was, when I say put myself in, I always imagine that I'm, I'm almost imagining that I'm there because even when you describe the belt, it's like I can see the belt. Even when you describe it, I mean, I can see what's happening. And I'm, and I'm just thinking of why he might have done that, and obviously the alcohol. And I'm wondering if, if he saw. You were, were you the oldest? No, I was the youngest. You were the youngest. You, it was just you and your sister? Yes, okay, yeah, so correct. You, you, so you being a boy, I'm wondering if he saw something of him in you, but he's, you're not like him. So he's... I'm, I'm just... I'm look, I'm, as, you, as you're going through, I'm just thinking of what it what might have... What's the... It, what's, why he would have done that and i'm thinking is you know yeah. do you understand what i mean he's he sees his no i do yeah it makes sense he sees his son but because his son is not like he, who he is or maybe he was like that when he was younger and now he's the, the alcohol has changed him he he doesn't it's almost like you know better the devil you know in a sense that you don't know if you, if you look at i don't know if you ever looked at it that in that way um, because sometimes they, they could be looking at you and thinking he's someone that uh, he's this he's the child that I probably was or he's the child that I probably wasn't <clears throat> do you see what I mean um, growing up I do and maybe his his whatever has brought him to that thing whatever's, whatever turned into to the alcohol because we could say then if he's drank all his life he's an alcoholic yeah you know, Definitely. Not, like I said, I've never, I've never known him not to drink. Yeah. So I don't know if you ever see, looked at it like that. And I just, I just thought then, you know, if, if someone flies, if someone flies with Andrew and targeting in you, there's got to be a reason, and it, and it, and you haven't done anything wrong. It's got to be something about them, because when somebody internally, like, yeah. Yes, it's, it's not you, it's them, and even though you take the brunt of it and you think why me and you question it you question why am i gonna and like you said i even i even nodded at the same time because i knew what you're gonna say that the cars come in and you can hear it and you're there panicking anxiety anxious because you can hear and even hear when the car's pulling up the key's probably not rattling through the door and he opens the door the fear that you must have been going through and i'm just wondering if he if he if he's seen a lot of him in you but there's a there's an element of where did I go wrong? So I'm going to lash out. Um, did he ever, has he ever spoken to you? Or have you ever asked him? 
about that about his you know you said you asked him about not to drink and have you have you ever spoken to him about the drinking yeah um because it was a few years ago he became diabetic and he ended up getting neuropathy and he almost like couldn't walk anymore and so he he wouldn't stop drinking because it would the medications would mess his stomach up and stuff like that and so it's like my mom we all asked him to try to stop drinking and he his answer is is if it's my time to go it's my time to go and i am who i am and that's that's his thinking like he doesn't believe he can fix anything make it better and maybe he does but he's just not going to And there's something, something has gone. You know, I'm not going to speak to him, speak, but I'm, I'm saying from my perspective, there's something gone amiss, or something's gone wrong in his life, for him to, to, to have been carried on. I'm sure your mum, growing up as well, or you know, li- you know, being his wife and that, would have said to him, you know, to to, to stop drinking and, and spoken to him over the years, even out of earshot of you guys, and as you've got older, you've spoken to him. So there's clearly something that's gone amiss in his life to for him to start drinking and not want to give it up. Exactly. Like you said, something internally. Like, and that's something that took me a long time to realize, and it's more or something less I, like, realize with myself. It's generally when I'm angry and I, like, treat somebody bad. Yeah. It's because I was upset or I had a bad day or something went wrong and I just accidentally took it out on them. And so it's like... As an adult, you can realize those things. But as you said, as a child, you don't realize that. You internalize all of it. And it's like, okay, well, what did I do to deserve that? Like, why, why, you know? It's like, how can I change that? And so it's just being around that as a child is really the hardest part. Because like I said, you just, you don't form the connections that you're supposed to. And now it's like, I try to deal with depression, anxiety. I feel like I have random mood swings because I like growing up as a kid, excuse me, I didn't know if I was going to have to uh, be scared and hide or if I'm going to have to try to act happy and be pleasant to make my dad happy, things like that, you know? And so it's just like, I feel like I got a lot of different things I try to deal with on the daily to where it just inhibits me from focusing, you know, just like quieting the mind, focusing and just being able to go through the daily life. I guess you say normal, but what's normal, right? And I was going to say to you as well. So, I go back to your between the ages of, ages of six and thirteen. You you would have went. I'm I'm going to presume you went to school. And correct. Yeah. Was school a safe haven for you, away from being at home, and or was it? Because I'm just uh, again. Uh, this is another double kind of double-edged question: Is was it safe haven, or were you? Was there always times where you were worried about for your mum? Was there other times where you were worried for your mum or your sister, being away from them, being at school, or was it at that age you wasn't? It's not something that you thought about. It was just you was in fear and you was worried about coming home or anything like that. Yeah, to be honest, it sounds kind of selfish. Now I don't think I ever really thought about it like that. Um, Cause it's like when I was at school, 
like my dad, he would be out working. Uh, my mom would be out working, you know, my sister would be at school or she would she would do like after school stuff like uh, orchestra, some little sports and stuff like that, you know. And so I wasn't really worried about them. I said it sounds kind of selfish, but I just don't think I thought about it like that as a kid. Um, yeah, and the reason like, why, you just mentioned the reason why you wouldn't have done it because like you said, they're all, if, you, if they'd been at home, maybe... At home, it would have been a different story, different yeah. They're um, outside, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so it's like I definitely thought like school was a safe haven, you know. It's like I could go and it was six hours away. Like I don't have to deal with that until after school. But it would also just like start giving me anxiety towards the end of the day because I'm like, oh, all right, I got I got 30 minutes left. All right, I got 20 minutes left. All right, I'm about to have to go home. And like that's I didn't like that, you know. And so that's when I started trying to get into like sport. I was like, I was always active. I liked to run. I was like a very active kid. I needed to get my energy out. So like once I was able to start doing school sports in like junior high and high school, I took advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. And did, was, you, <laughs> was you able to, because you took advantage of those things, you know, was he, did, was he a dad that ever took, even with all the anger and the beatings and the, the 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 abuse. Did he was he ever a person that came to your that took um, that kind of took what was what was what's the word I'm looking for? He took notice of the work that you were doing in school or the good things that you were doing in school, or was it completely all negative? Or did he take no no? no part in your schooling it was just the abuse it's kind of hard to say because it's like at school i was expected to make a's and b's like i i was not allowed to have bad grades and if i was i was getting in trouble and i was getting grounded uh so it's like i had to have good grades but it's like he would always come to like my soccer games and stuff as a kid but he was the parent yelling on the sideline pretty much demoralizing me thinking it's going to make me play better. Um, like that, that was his whole mindset. He's like, he thinks yelling at me from the sideline, telling me how bad I'm doing is going to make me play better. Yeah, like he was that kind of, he was that kind of guy at the games. Yeah. And how did that, how did that affect? Obviously then, because you, I can hear in your voice, because you, it's obviously something being in the, on the pitch, you would have heard, you'd have heard him yelling. It's not like you could block him out. Oh yeah. You can hear him out there on the soccer field. Like, <laughs> I wasn't in like the world um, yeah, of the World Cup stadium. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I was just a small field, like the little herd ball, as they call it, just the kids running around, all the parents out there screaming, and yelling. So it's like, even through club soccer, when I was doing traveling soccer, same thing. Like he was just always the guy on the sideline yelling at me. Like I said, pretty much demoralizing me, thinking it's going to make me play better. So that means he's obviously then critical. Of, he's obviously critical of you. Even was he critical of you after whether you played good or bad? Yeah, um, it's like it just never felt good enough. Like no matter how, <clears throat> no matter how good you did, no matter, <clears throat> excuse me, it's just like no matter what you did, it just never felt good enough. Whether it was in school, whether it was in sports, 
uh, whether you're trying to do something, it's like, okay, well, I mean, that's, that's good, but what? You could have done better. And it's like, that's just how it always felt. Yeah, that's what actually happens because that, and it goes back to what I said earlier, is that it, that's not about you. Because if, whether you're playing good or bad, if he's still criticizing, criticizing, whether you get A's or B's, or whether you get, whether, like you said, whether you're doing this or that, it was never, ever good enough. So that wasn't about you, that was about him. And even though it hurts you that he said those things and, and, and he did those things to you, when you, I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking, no, that isn't about that's nothing to do with you that's to, that's to do with his uh-huh. his probably his failure uh, failures as a maybe his failures as a dad or maybe his failures of like you say maybe he could have maybe his parents probably did the same thing to him and he was that I don't know like you said you you you, you might know the answers and if you've asked him that yet or if you you know his history but I, I would suggest then that's that's part of it. That's part of what's happened is that he he has um, he's either had that abuse himself, and then he's kind of taken it on board because we just don't start drinking for no reason. Yes, okay, we can have a drink. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We don't start hitting for no I reason. Do. Yeah, you don't get to, uh, like the anger he had. Like I said, it, it's scary. Like, even some of the outbursts that he has now, it's like he's older, you know? It's like, I don't think he could physically harm me anymore. But just some of the outbursts that he has, it's like, that's some pent-up, like, scary anger. Like, I don't know what what it is, what causes it, but, like, I've never seen, like, that kind of anger in person from anybody other than somebody like him. And like I said, like, that... It, it scared me like that it's just you don't see things like that people don't act like that you know like it that's, it's crazy that's something that's something inside him it's not um that has nothing to do with him or anything like that that's and and you know and we can sit here and talk about you know you know the things that he's you know reasons why or whatever but really this is about your and that's part of part of the reason why i'm speaking like this is oh, this is part of your healing as well because when you probably listen back on this you probably think oh yeah maybe that you look you're talking to me now but then you probably think oh when you listen back and you think maybe that maybe he's right this was it or maybe i didn't think about that um because not until we would listen back at ourselves that we realize do you know what i mean that we realize oh i do no it's like you kind of you make like good points and it's like you kind of help connect the dots sometimes because it's like sometimes you may have all the information up there but when you're talking through it people help you realize some things you never really thought about yourself um and so yeah it's like 100 percent we're gonna sit here and have this conversation and then later on throughout the day i'll be i'll be thinking about it and i'm gonna be assessing it breaking it down and it's like this either way it's like this hopefully it's this is great for a lot of people out there it's like if somebody needs to learn how to like be better try to figure out how to be better themselves you know hopefully it helps them out but i know talking through this and just thinking about it the rest of the day it's like it'll clear a lot of things up for myself yeah, as well like, and i like yeah. what the thing was you said but there's some, and the reason why i connected with you is there's something that you said on a post i can't remember what it was you, you said something to 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 almost reassure the person on the post and I thought gosh that's that's a nice out of all the comments that were made it was that one that stood out and I thought let me speak to this guy because this 
guy's obviously been through things, but he's, in order for him to say that, he's obviously been through something. And he's can, like you've connected the dots with that person. Isn't it funny how we can all connect exactly. as humans? We can connect the dots of each other, of each other's stories. And, but not our own sometimes. <laughs> But you, as you grow up, you realise you can't, you cannot connect. Like you said, you cannot connect the dots. Um, and so, you're you've been at school. Did did you have many friends, or did you have like, would you do you have many friends growing up? It's kind of strange. It's like I felt like it. The way I grew up, I felt like it made me a one person type of person. You know, it's like I just wanted one friend. I just wanted one person to be close to to talk to because it's like I felt like I didn't really have anybody so it's like I just felt like I've always just needed one person and so it's like I had friends you know but like really it was just my neighbor across the street we were the same age we grew up together stuff like that and so it's like I had a few friends in high school and stuff like that but I wasn't I do I didn't go out to like a a lot of sleepovers and things like that you know I didn't go out and hang out with a lot of people other than like sports stuff that I was doing personally or just things I had to go do with my so it's like I didn't have a I didn't have a lot of friends yeah. and you, you you mentioned the word soccer soccer we, football <laughs> soccer football <laughs> we yeah. the word soccer it's, it's us Americans yeah I know us Americans I know because we have carry on we have football and soccer, so I'm like, oh, it's like it's yes, but out of the two, I prefer your real football. <laughs> I played that more than anything in my life. Like I, I, I played for a lot of years. Yeah, what, what, what was it that drew you as a child? Then what drew? Because I know you, you're th- you say you're 30, so you must have been I'm thinking about now. I'm I'm gonna presume 30. You must be the second or first generation of soccer dads, soccer moms, or whatever. Because um, Americans, it tends to be baseball and American football American, and basketball. Yes. So, what, mm-hmm. what made you. My dad, I prefer, prefer. It was just all the running. You know, like I, I liked to run. I was a fast kid. Like I needed to get my energy out because, like I said, at the house. Like, I felt like I couldn't get it out. Like, I was just being trapped. And so it's like, at school or any other places, I'm going to go get that attention somewhere else. Like, if I can't get it here, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to get that energy out. I'm going to go play sports and get that energy out. And so it's like, I like I like football uh, yeah, because so it's like, I could... I could just, yeah, I could run the, I could run the pitch up and down all day, like all game, ninety minutes or however long they were as a kid. Then I would just run, run and run and run and run and run. And it's like, even if I was going across the street to my friend's house, I'm running. And so it's like, it's just, I like that just because I was able to run. And it's like my dad, he tried to put me in, he put me in baseball for a little bit, but I didn't really enjoy it. You know, you kind of, you sit on the bench, you stand at the plate, you know, you stand in the outfield, you know, it's kind of a bunch of standing except for every now and then you you catch the ball and you throw it. And it's like, that wasn't really fun to me. And I still played it for a while because it was my dad's sport. You know, I knew he liked it. I know it made him happy. And it was like, 
there's still a way for me to get out of the house so I didn't mind it but I pretty much I quit playing baseball one year when my dad was the coach and like him and the neighbor him and his dad were the coaches and it was a baseball game this I was playing first base this kid hit a ball right off the ground I'm trying to ground it and it bounced up and it hit me in the lip like busted my lip and so after that I would start turning my head to make sure I didn't hit me in the face and so then I would miss the ball after that game my dad went out there and he just drilled baseballs at me it made me like ground them and would just sit there and yell at me tell me not to turn my head if it hits me it hits me and so I basically just stood out there while I hummed baseballs at me and I was catching them getting hit by them you know and after we were done with that, like I said, I would just keep turning my head because I wasn't going to get hit anymore. And when we were done, he just looked at me. He's like, you'll never be a good baseball player. And so I was like, oh, all right. So I just, after that season, I didn't play again. Yeah. It's like, I'm not, <laughs> not going to keep playing if I'm not going to be good. Yeah, how old were you then? Oh, man, I was probably, I was probably like 10, somewhere in there, maybe 10, 11. Say that was like. Would you say around ten was the first was one of the first times you started to looking back now? Was you would you look back on that, or was it was there another time where you it was the first time where you looked and thought, I'm not going to do what you tell me what to do, or what you want me to be. I think I specifically remember that when we were. We were taking a, a trip to Wyoming. We were going to Yellowstone. And this was back when we still had CD players and like MP3 players and everything. And like I said, keep in mind, growing up in Texas, very country, my parents, country music or nothing. You cannot listen to rap. Like, what is that? You know, it's like, oh, it's the devil's music. And so to me, that's like, oh, well, why don't they want me to listen to it? And so you know, I just started listening to a lot of rap music and like, that's what I listen to today. I love it. You know, it's like, I'll listen to, yeah, I listen to a lot of different music, but I specifically remember that one time, like they told me I couldn't. And I like, I had a, a CD player and I got like a CD from Best Buy and it was the Marshall Mathers LP or something like that. Uh, first Eminem CD I ever had. And so that was like, that was the first instant I ever remembering being like, they told me I can't do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> that was the first time. And what, and what, was, what was the reaction to that? To you playing it in the house or where? So, so, did, you so, ever, did, you ever put, did you ever come to a point where you thought, you know what, I'm going to put it on. I'm going to put it on. I'm going I'm to see what you said. Do you know what I mean? Did you, was it that kind of thing? It didn't come to that no, because it's like I was scared of my dad so it's like I wasn't purposely trying to get in trouble because I didn't want that attention yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, it was more or less like but it did come to a point where you said I'm going to do you see what I mean it came to a point where you said you know what? yes I'm it did to, I'm not going it's to it's worth it yes yeah it's like it's worth it to be it's worth it enough to me that I'm going to do what I want yeah. and it's worth it to risk what I know is going to happen if I get caught yeah. so I mean it definitely caught to that point that's just I guess as they say, strict parents create sneaky kids. Yeah. So it's like I was, I was just trying to sneak a lot of stuff and hoping I didn't get caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, it's, and again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, again, I'm because I'm not no psychologist, but I just I look and I think, ah, I can see that. I can see why you would, there would be an Eminem, 
emanate away. That one is the one that sticks out. Like you say, it's the first one. Honestly, it was kind of strange. It was just the first, that was like the first rapper I ever knew. It's like all my friends, like they were white, obviously. So it's like little white kids, they don't know anything. And they're like, oh, look at this guy. And he like gave me an Eminem CD or like he showed me his iPod or a P3 player or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, this is it. So <laughs> I said I went to Best Buy. <laughs> went to Best Buy and got a CD. I can, I can hear it. I can hear your voice there. He said, "Yeah, this is it." And I can see you recollecting it. Um, and it's funny because, like you say, it's Eminem, and it's funny how it's rap. Because out of all the music it could be, like you said, you listen to arranged even even now, and probably growing up, you probably listened to maybe the you know you probably didn't listen to it, or you maybe heard it out of the blue, one you know once in the blue moon. But it's probably nothing. It's nothing, probably something that wasn't played in the house. But it's funny how it's rap because rap is. Rap music is um, is seen. It was back in the day. It was seen as like a oh my god, an anti-establishment music. An anti- yes, NWA. Yes, it was always. I've seen that. It was always. I remember. I remember when it came to the UK and there was uproar. It was Beastie Boys. I remember that years ago. And it was Beastie Boys. This rap group. These and 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 it just so happened there were three white guys, but they were rapping and they were Beastie Boys and they're coming and they're rapping about all sorts of lewd things and the same. And this goes off in the lyrics and then it was then it was NWA and it and what I'm saying to you is that it's funny how it's how you it was seen as as a thing that goes against it's almost like rage against the machine yeah the rap goes against the establishment so i chose that to go against the establishment yeah, but, it also, but it also encompasses your life so the as a as most rappers who have been through been through things so they would have been through the streets or they've gone they're on the streets not been through they're on the streets or they've done things they've seen this they've bowler and it's funny how that that connects to what you've you've been through and you were able to draw your you probably even saw a lot of what they were talking about in in the music with you because sometimes even as me as a in being in the UK I've listened to rap you know you know before rap came out you know I'm a, you know I'm an older guy now but um I remember listening to it and even though my life wasn't an American life, I could see connections in my life in regards to the music. Even though it wasn't a ghetto, even though it wasn't this, but I could see that I was an angry person. Yeah. So it makes it easy to connect to your reality. It's like, as they say, it's like they're what comes out in their songs they say it's like their reality it's like what they say growing up back then that's why they started creating the rap music it's like they're rapping about the reality that they see when they walk outside of their front door and so it's just like it makes it easy to connect to i mean it's like a lot of the things you go through it's like they do rap about a lot of that you know it's kind of strange but it's like to me when i think about country music i just think about like heartbreaks trains trucks and beer like women so it's like I didn't, I didn't need any of that growing up. Like I didn't want to listen to that as a kid. It didn't connect to me on any level. Um, but it's just like I did get a lot of stuff out of rap music, like maybe some inspiration, but just maybe just some motivation just to keep going. Like you know, I'm not the only one. Like they're they're saying these things, they're dealing with it, you know. And so it's like okay, maybe that's just the way life is. Yeah, and that's and I would say that's that's, that's what exactly is. Because you see the connection there, even if you're not going through gangbanging. 
but there's, there's an element of their pain that you're going through. And, it's, and it goes back to like different, there's different stages of music, like you said, um, country music, like you say, singing about, back before, and you had rhythm and blues. Back then, rhythm and blues was, you know, um, I'm sitting, you know, the, the guy on the, with his banjo and kind of... The banjo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and that was, and that was connected to people then who were singing, who were talking about the blues and my, my, my partner died and blah, blah, and I've got my bottle of wine, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and it's, and it's, it's, it's interesting that you, but also it's interesting that you, it was Eminem. That's kind of significant as well because Eminem was um, a white guy. It wasn't the first white guy, but he was a white guy that seemed to go, was angry. He was angry. Uh-huh. He was angry. He was thinking, and he and he was using the 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 the, the music to help um, him help him heal in a way, which is what yeah. you were doing. Yeah, As, and a lot of his music was easy to relate to, you know, because he was talking about a lot about when he was growing up, the, the issues that he had, you know, and so it's like <laughs> that's why they kind of give him a lot of. I wouldn't say hate, but they bash on him a little bit. They're like, oh, yeah, he's a Grammy award winner because he sold millions of albums to 10 and 11 year olds. Yeah, yeah, but it's like it, it makes sense. You know, it's like it's easy, connect, easy to connect to. It's like he was able to tell those stories and it's like they're real. And that's how I've always thought. It's like, you know, language is different around the world, but pain is universal. Like you can see you can you can have empathy for somebody you know you can understand somebody through pain like you feel for them like you may not be under be able to understand what they're saying but you can tell if they're hurting you know you can tell you can just tell through like the way that they say things the way that they're acting if somebody's hurting it's like that it's i feel like it's hard to say but it's like pain is something that can bring people together because everybody understands it you know and that's I feel like me as a person, it's like I feel like I've kind of gone through so much pain that I try to put out so much out there that when I see somebody in pain, it's like, I know how that feels. I don't want them to feel like that. I want them to know that they're not alone. You know, I, mean, I want them to know that they're somebody is out there that they they're heard, that they're understood, you know, that they're not by themselves or alone. And so it's like that's the main thing it's just I feel like I've gone through so much at this point I don't want anybody to ever feel like that because it sucks yeah. and, and so saying that then you, 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 you with a, a lot of sports what do you want to be what did you I always ask this question it sounds weird speaking to uh, saying to an adult what did you want to be but what did you want to be when you grew growing up was it a profession that you wanted to get into I always thought like as a kid like because I did, I did like uh, club soccer, club football. You know, I traveled. I was on traveling teams. I got an invitation to go try out at like the kids' Olympic team, um, things like that. So it's like growing up, I always envisioned that I was just going to be like a professional footballer. You know, um, and as I really thought, you know, especially since I was here in the United States, you know, nowhere near as good as the rest of the world. So I got a pretty good chance. Each team has like 30, 30 players or something like that. So it's like, I can make a roster. But then I started going through like high school and I got into football, like American football. I got into track and 
I thought, it's like, I didn't think I was actually going to go to the NFL or anything, you know, but I had gotten an opportunity to go walk on for football at a college. And so that was kind of, I guess, the area I was thinking it was going to go. You know, every kid thinks he's going to go get drafted to the league. So once I kind of had that opportunity, I guess that's where I thought I was going to go. Yeah, you called it, what did you say? You said it a walk-on. Can you explain to the, to the listeners, what did you say, a walk-on, was it? A walk-on, yeah. What, what, so... When, when you have the universities and they they have all of their their uh, sports teams, it's like the you can go in there and you can play for the school on scholarship, which just really means you're really good and they're going to pay you to come to their university and they'll pay for your schooling as long as you play sports for them, right? And so that's pretty much where you go to school on a scholarship, a walk-on, or basically they'll call it redshirting or a walk-on. They're saying that you're not terrible enough not to be on their team, but you're not good enough necessarily for them to pay for your school and to play sports for them. So it's like they're saying you, you can have a spot on the team. You know, you can come here, you can get on the practice squad, you can kind of work your ways through the ranks and we'll see what you have to offer. Right. Um, that, that's, that's what... Um, like walking on or being a red shirt is. Right, okay. So it's almost like a trial period of you coming on. Yeah. And see how that would work. Exactly. Yeah. You're not like a, a nationally wide scouted athlete. You know, you're not the person the school was just seeking out to make their their sports team better or anything like that. More or less, it's just, like I said, the kids that really want to play and they really enjoy it, but sometimes don't have the money or the means. They weren't the smartest kid, things like that. Those are, that's where you can go walk on. And like I said, that's where you can get the bigger stories, you know? It's like, oh, well, I wasn't offered a position. I wasn't offered anything, but I went in there, I worked hard. And like a year later, they offered me a scholarship and now I'm, they're paying for everything. Um, so that's that's how they, can, they, that's how it can happen. What was your um, relationship like with your, your dad as you, in your teens? So if you're looking at, 13, past that, 15, 16, 17, all the way up to 19. What was your relationship like with that? Was there still a bit of fear? And also, I was going to say to you as well, you know, during school as well, again, more questions, but during school, were you ever, did you ever lash out or were you a quiet kid that kind of kept yourself to yourself because of fear of if I lashed out, I'd do this? Or, you know, what, what, what was happening for you as a, because when we grow up, the development in age is around we have development at 10 and then it comes to 13 around because that's the reason why um, I know that because I've, I've been working uh-huh. football for years when you hit 13 or 14 some people have a growth spurt um, some you know someone who maybe maybe is who, were, who was good at football at 9 years old and 10 years old all of a sudden they're not they're not as good as they were at 9 year old and those who weren't maybe excel as they get older. Um, so for you, you know, what was the dynamic like at school in terms of, you know, as you as a person, were you ever bullied or was there fear of if I lash out or anything, anyone says anything to me, I'm going to be in trouble? Man, so kind of, I feel like seventh through 12th grade, um, I feel like I was kind of, I wouldn't say I was like the nicest person. I was, I would say I was kind of more of a resemblance of my dad. 
Um, it's like I wasn't really understanding that he wasn't correct. The way I was being raised wasn't correct. You know, that's not how you act. And so it's just like, I always felt like I was, I was nice, you know, I like to laugh, joke around. I like to like do things like that, but it's just, I feel like I was always just waiting for an excuse to get into some kind of confrontation. Um, to where it's now, I will do anything to avoid confrontation. Um, it's like, I don't want a problem. I don't want anything. Like, I just want to mind my business. Like, so it's like growing up, like, yeah, I was like trying to get into people's business, I guess, you know, I was being nosy, just trying to put myself out there. Just a, I don't know, a young man growing up, you know, I was, I was feeling myself. I didn't have the best role model. He was kind of angry. And so I was kind of the same way. So luckily it didn't ever lead me to getting hurt, you know, talking to the wrong person the wrong way. Um, but it's like school, I would definitely say that. But now where I'm at in life, I said now I just I try to stick to myself. I don't want any problems like just nothing. <laughs> men young men i think we struggle with yeah because I, I i struggle with it as well even as an older man now don't when i say struggle um this parts of my life i know i wish i had enough confidence to do certain things you know we all we often wish you know if this had happened our life would have went this way or whatever um but and and we can never look back with regret of this because if if things were out of our control as a child it's not it's not us that we should, it's not a blame thing it's not us that we should be putting the weight on our shoulders um, because we were children do you see what I mean we were children we children don't have um, the capacity to cope with to understand yeah yeah they don't have the capacity because, like... because we don't have that experience We just pretty much believe it's like okay well he's angry at me i must have done something wrong and that's like it's very it's it's not it's kind of just one direction you know it's not bilateral you can't really move directions and realize like all right well this is why this is happening it's just like okay well he's mad it's my fault you know i got yelled at i did something wrong something like that and so, so the team so you grew up and then again what what profession? Yeah, after the after the sports, because um, obviously we have these dreams. Because I had the dream of being a football player, um, and you know, it came a point where I, got, I think I got injured, or you know, I just didn't have the backing of. I never had a role model, so I never had that backing of somebody to, to take me to the games or whatever. And yes, I had trials with professional teams and stuff like that, but I, I just didn't have that thing to take me past the next stage. Um, so I kind of, in that later age, I kind of ended up at college and stuff like that. So for you, what's, what was you, what did you, what did, what was your next stage? So I went, I went to college. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, it's like, I just, my whole life I was told what I needed to do, have good grades, exceed, do well. And it's just like, I felt like I was kind of pushed into college. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my future. I like had no idea. And so I went for petroleum geology, you know, just 
oil field work, especially in West Texas, that's what you do. So it's like, all right, I'll get something at least in the field of what will be around. So I'll have a good job. But I got there and honestly, it was just like the first bit of freedom that I ever had away from my parents. And being honest, like I completely, I wasted every opportunity I had there. Um, I didn't, I didn't go to class. I didn't do anything for football. Like I didn't do anything I was supposed to. And it's like, that's one of my big regrets, but that's where I first started kind of like exploring and figuring myself out. You know, it's like, I did, it wasn't the right thing to do. I wasted a lot of my parents' monies for a semester, you know, um, not proud of it. And it's like kind of after that, that's where I just moved back home. And I was just getting jobs working, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And that's actually where I started. I like I got into a lot of drugs after that. Um, I came I came back home. I felt lost. I didn't know what to do. I felt like I had a lot of this anger inside of me from my dad, like all these different emotions. I feel like I don't belong in a lot of places. I feel like I'm different than a lot of people. And so I started taking um, like MDMA or like ecstasy, Molly a lot. Um, obviously it releases, oh, what is it? The oxytocin that makes you happy. Yeah. Um, so it's like, obviously I was just getting excessive amounts of happy pills. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, I was, going through my, I was going through my partying stage and it's like, I started getting into a lot of pills. Um, I was drinking a lot, partying, not taking care of myself. And it actually, it landed me in a rehab twice. Um. I tried to, I actually tried to commit suicide one time. Luckily, it didn't work. Um, and so it's like I did drugs for a few years, went to rehab. I said, tried to commit suicide. And after that, when I tried to commit suicide, they put me in a rehab place and I was in there for a few weeks. And being in that place was a huge wake up call. Because uh, I, I remember like whenever I was in the hospital and they were trying to treat me, um, I remember being in there just kind of blacked out on all these pills and they were, they gave me these charcoal pills and it basically just cleans your system out to flush your system. So it's like, they gave me that and I like kind of remember being awake in there. And then it's like the next thing I remember I was in the hospital room, nobody was in there and I was still really drugged. I couldn't really talk or anything. And I just, I ripped the catheter out of my IV or like out of my vein and I was just there and it's just like bleeding out. And then I kind of like blacked out. And then the next thing I remember is I woke up in the rehab hospital. And when I woke up, that made me realize I never wanted to be in a place like that again. Like, it, I think I'd probably rather go to prison than a, like a, a mental rehab clinic. Like in the United States, they're awful. Like they're terrible. They treat people so bad. Like I do, I would never want to go to a place like that again, ever. And so it's like when I woke up there and I realized I had no control of my life, I can't leave, I can't do what I want. Um, now I have to take these medications they give me and I have to speak to doctors every day. It's like that that right there was enough for me to change my life. Yeah. And during that time of, I'm speaking about two things here. During that time of being in rehabilitation, did your, what was your, what was your dad like then? Or your, what was your mum like? Were you, what was your, what was the dynamics then? Were they, were they, did they come and see you? Were they, did they, 
was he angry with you for being in there? What was his, what was the, what was the tone? My mom was supportive. Like they did, they came up there and saw me once while I was there. Cause like I said, I didn't have to be there too long. Um, but they came up there and saw me once, but I just, I could tell my dad wasn't very pleased. You know, it's like, it felt like this is below me. Like this isn't where I should be. Like this isn't where you should be. This is all wrong. Like, just kind of made me feel bad for being there. Yeah, so even 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 you. So in a sense, then even the, the you feeling bad for being there is what kind of helped you to get out in a, in a lot of respects. Because also seeing the environment that you was in, it's it wasn't the place for you. Because of all the no, things, that, all the things that you've done, it's almost like, I, you know, why am I here? This is, this is, it's almost like maybe a form of embarrassment or ashamed or whatever it may be. Why am I here? Because this isn't me. Yes, agreed. Like, I remember being in there and it's like, okay, it's like, like I was seeing some people in there that had real, real issues like schizophrenia, things like that. And I'm like, I'm in here because I can't get my life together and I'm making bad decisions you know I'm not a bad person I don't it's like yeah I may suffer from anxiety depressions things like that but it's like compared to a lot of people I don't have severe problems this is something I can focus on and change that's something I am going to change because like I said I, I did not want to be in that place ever again like that that place scared me um, it was not enjoyable And also, I was just going to ask you about this, um, the attempted suicide. What was it? Was it a attempt by dro- um, drugs? A couple of them. So it's like uh, Klonopins. Basically, it's like a, almost a Xanax. Basically, um, had taken quite a bit of those, and I was. It's kind of a messed up story. It's like I wasn't intending to try to do that I went over there to try to help somebody else to stop from doing something like that and basically ended up me taking all the drugs drinking and everything and so like I took a bunch of those Kalana pins and we were drinking and this guy he had his gun and like from what I kind of just remember we were just gonna shoot ourselves and be done with it but, but he, we were in a double wide trailer out in the country and somehow I guess he put like two bullets through the wall. And so somehow like they were able to get a hold, like somebody around there was able to get a hold of like my parents or something like that somehow. And so it's like, I don't remember a lot of this cause I was blacked out on all of it. Like the pills, the alcohol. Um, the only thing that I do remember is my mom had me and that guy separated. She was like trying to get the cops out there or something like that. And I just remember standing up off the couch and I told her I had to go to the bathroom. And on the way to the bathroom, there were a pair of like meat scissors. Um, On the way to the bathroom, I grabbed the scissors and I just shut the door behind me and locked it. And it took a few good tries for it to like cut the skin. But one of them finally did and it, it cut really deep through my hand like through my wrist and it's like I don't really remember much after that like I remember 
they like kicked the door down basically because they knew I guess knew what I was doing and so they like kicked the door down broke it down and this guy it was my parents friends they came in and he was like getting a towel or something he was like wrapping it around my arm and I just remember asking him I was like did I get it and he's like yeah you got it really great and he was like he was so mad but he's like wrapped it up and he got it to stop bleeding and we were waiting on the ambulance and stuff to come and I said that's when I remember waking up at the hospital getting charcoal ripped the IV out and I woke up in the in the rehab place and so it's like I didn't I didn't I didn't necessarily set out just to go try to commit suicide but once I got around that guy like I said I just to be honest I felt like I wasn't connecting with him and he wasn't listening to me so it's like it's dumb but it's like his 19 year old or however old I was I was like okay well I'm going to get on his level I have a clear mind and he'll understand me then and so it's like I took all the pills got all the alcohol in my system and so now it's like well there goes my clear mind what he's saying seems to make sense and so luckily it, it that's that's quite a, um, you can look back I'm sure you can look back that on that tale as a, a bit of an irony because you went there to help somebody which you which is your personality and you went to end up and you didn't really you wasn't I can't put it you weren't really committing I can't put it not trying to commit suicide I don't I don't mean it like that in because I don't want to sound thinking but you you went there because you went there to help somebody but you wasn't going there to do commit suicide and it, yeah. and it shows because uh, you know there's 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 stats that show um that when, when men and women commit suicide or, or attempt suicide or anything to do men tend to do it more violently so they tend to use a gun or noose or jump drown or whatever it may be they tend to do, whereas a, a women will tend to use pills <laughs> or they'll try and you know cut themselves and that and they're saying that, that that's a sign of them wanting to be saved in a sense because it's, it's a slower yeah. it's a slower way of getting there and it's almost like oh you know it's almost like a dra- dramatic you know, you know I've seen um, documentaries where they, you know they put lipstick on and all that stuff and they sat in the baths waiting fade away and they're waiting to fade away and, and what they're doing is they're, they're hoping that somebody comes like you said somebody came and you wasn't you wasn't in that position to to because if you did you'd be for all the things that you've been through you really you should I'm not saying that you should but really in in terms of if you your mental state the way to go would have been more violent because of what you've been yeah. through as a person but clearly you didn't want that for yourself and it was almost like a cry for help and, and you got the help but also you've got the help in in a sense of you, you were able to help yourself and and that must and even though you spoke about it then you said and, you, and the way you spoke about it, it was almost like you were... When you mentioned it first, you was almost ashamed or embarrassed. But I wouldn't be ashamed of it, because that's part of your story. And the fact is that you were able to overcome it. There's got to be some sort of strength there, because you've overcome so much things, seeing witnessing abuse, um, protecting your sister, but you become protective of your mum and, and all that. And then you still went and wanted to protect somebody else from them committing, from them taking drugs or committing suicide. So you, you've always been a person 
even though you think that you're, this, 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 there will be similarities with your dad because obviously that's genetic similarities and obviously things the way he might have brought you but I think there's a strength in you there to 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 overcome the, the what you've been through to now to you said you sat there and said you know what I'm not I'm not meant to be here because you clearly you, you wasn't meant to go and you're not meant to be you're not meant to be in that institution there. you're not meant to be there there's no way you're meant to be there because if you was you you'd, you'd not be here you wouldn't be here you or you'd be in the institution like you say you may be schizophrenic um or anything um you know depressed multiple um, disorders or uh, you know some of the things that we our mind goes through it's amazing that some of us still are able to um still connect the dots and still be living and not being in and out of institution not taking hundreds of pills or whatever and and be on a journey of healing because i can see that you're obviously on a journey of healing you know you you've you've kind of turned your life around oh yeah a hundred percent um so i'm i mean i'm happy for the last six years of my life you know it's like i left midland i came to austin like i got a sales job like completely different from anything I've ever known. Like I've had no experience in sales. I was always manual labor and it's like, it was a hundred percent commission. And it's like, I was willing to bet on myself and take the risk. You know, it's like anything I think I put my mind to, I can't accomplish it if I try hard enough and I wanted it hard enough. And so it's like, I took the risk and I said a power, they, they really helped me grow as a person. Like they, they sat down and we had meetings and it's like, they, challenge you to challenge yourself and your belief systems and it's like what is actually hard work you know what is struggle and i i was happy for the person that i became while i was there you know um they i feel like they helped me grow a lot and so it's like now you know i was married for about a year didn't last very long we were together for about six years so with what I've learned through power now going through my divorce, everything I've learned back then, it's just, like I said, I'm just on a journey now to kind of find myself and heal myself, you know, cause it's like, I'm very, I'm well aware of everything that's like going on. I'm, I'm well aware of how I feel. And a lot of times I'm well aware of why I feel like that or why things are happening. It's just a lot of it. I don't act on. And it's like, that's one of the, most important things it's like for any of the men out there listening i would listen to this it's just like you can be aware of everything that's going on in your life you can be aware that you have um, anxiety or depression your mood swings but unless you act on it it's not it's not going to change like you have to reach out for help you have to do something to change it because if not it's like the thing i'm realizing now is just it's not anger it's not hate it's not violence or abuse but but it it hurts to my relationships like with the people closest to me my friends like obviously my ex-wife like there's a lot of things that i didn't fix that don't allow me to have genuine like communication or proper communication with people it's like the pretty much like the survival skills that i obtained during uh childhood it's like everything that i've used to survive is now like 
hurting everything that I'm trying to do now as an adult. Like it's not, it's a different world. It's not applying to the same rules that was applied back when I was a kid. And so it's like, now I'm trying to have to, you know, like almost rewire my brain to go in there and kind of learn how to act, I guess I would say, you know, like how to be an adult, how to handle your emotions, how to communicate properly. You know, it's like, you got to take care of yourself and you got to put time into yourself. So like, that's, that's where I'm trying to learn now. That's, and that's what it is about, isn't it? and it's a journey, it's your journey, isn't it? It's, it's, we often say that before you can before you can look after others, you have to try and look after yourself, and you have to heal, because you've done, in a lot of respects, you've done the, the parts where you've looked after others. You, you were there trying to help this person, and, and, and you, you know, you've, you've, you've grown up trying to help your sister and your mum, and, and there's, that's not to say that you won't do it again, I'm saying that before you can get into anything, you've got to try and go through your journey, your healing, look at yeah. things and you, and, and you don't, you don't blame yourself because, and, and again, it goes back to that thing of your dad and, and how he's, you know, you weren't alive when he was born. You didn't see his, you wasn't part of his life when he was growing up. Do you see what I mean? You've been, you've been part of his life later on because he created you, but you wasn't part of his life then. So, it's again. It's just. Do we take? I remember. I remember sitting down with, with you know, my life and sitting down with my this person who was supposed to be my dad. And you know, it's a long story, but um, and and sitting down with him and asking him why he did these things and why, and it 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 plucked up a, a lot of courage because that's what we need. After fear, we have to create courage. And we have to have that courage to be able to confront the the this you know not even I say confront I, I don't mean that in a in a them versus us way I mean to ask questions you know even if you I mean I don't know if your mum knows but even if your mum knows a story of what your dad went through and and sometimes that can be part of your that would be part of your healing process because then you can understand why he did those things. I think I honestly think that's the last part. Enough. I honestly think that's the last part to my healing process is like, I know I need to do it. I've known I needed to sit down and talk to him about it for a long time, but it, it scares me. Like, uh, it scares me so much to think about having to go in there and sit him down and tell him it's like, what you did was wrong. The love and attention you're trying to give me now isn't what I needed. I needed that as a kid. Like, I needed a lot more as a kid, but it's like, at the same time, like, I feel like I have to go in there and let them know that I forgive them, you know? It's like, I don't hate you. It's like, I don't I don't think you're a bad person. I think that you did the best that you could with what you were given. And it's like, I just don't think that he knew any better. And so it's like, I know it's a conversation we need to have. It just scares me. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the part where, and that's what I was saying that, once you heal, you know when the time is right, because you'll know when this is the last part of the. This is this is the, probably the main one of the main parts where I've got to put a closure on this. Um, and even though you will go through things, you because we do, we do as humans, we do go through things. Um, we go through breakups and relationships. We go through, you know, I don't know whatever it may be. 
um, you know, a car breaking down. Talking about you being a mechanic there. I'm using that analogy. A car breaking. We go through. Yeah, yeah and we it, go through life. Like happens to everybody. And it happens. And so for you, that'll be part of. Like you said, that's probably the part where you need, where you know when you've got the courage. And it could be, it could be, it could be a point where he, there's one time where he, you, you call him up and, you know, he's probably excited to see you and you kind of sit, you know, all the, you'll know when the time is right. You know, like now you say the time isn't right for you now, but you, you'll know uh, um, when you, once you start to build your business, when you start to build confidence, talking to people, getting out there with your business, he sees you successful and he sees you doing these things and you and he's not on your case telling you to do this and hitting you and, and all those sort of things because now you're a man yeah do you see what I mean and that part was, will come as well where that will help you to build relationships where you when you have a child and and you know and all these other things build relationships with your, your you know partner and you know, you, you, no, no one's going to say you're going to keep a partner for life because you might do. You know, we often dream of having one partner, <laughs> having for life, and we, you know, like our, like you said, your parents. Or whatever, but you know, and you're not your dad. You, 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 you. This is you, Levi, a different person, um, a different man, and in a different time. You know, you can see all the things that that, that has gone wrong, and you know, a person that that wants to help people. Um, but you know. Um, you know, if I was, you know, another thing is part will go towards your healing journey is, this is me thinking out loud is, um, at some point later on, is, is scribing it, writing it, and maybe creating a book from it, your journey, and and that would that would help as well, you know, because sometimes we often think, oh, we can't, I can't write a book, but you could. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? And that would journey, just like that. Your, journey, your journey and things. So for you now, what's what's you said you've, you've been happiest and what's life like for you now? And you know, you know, you 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 start you're setting up your business, things are going well. You say you you okay, you you divorce, you split up with your partner. I know, I've been through that as well. For you, what's what's life looking like for you? So. I mean, life right now is still a little hectic. Like, I'm still in the middle of my divorce. Um, like, I'm, I'm trying to get everything with that finalized. And so, it's like I'm trying to get that finished and taken care of, you know. And it's like obviously busy trying to get my business started. But it's like I can't and won't complain about being busy. You know, it's like if I want to be successful, you got to be busy. You got to work. And so, I'm not going to complain about being busy and having to work. So, it's just... I got a lot going on right now. I'm trying. I feel like I'm scrambling. I feel like I don't have enough hours in the day, and so I'm just. I'm trying to be as productive as possible. You know, I'm trying to be as positive as possible. Um, I'm just trying to really see everything that's out there as what it is, and I'm like, just trying to find the opportunities out there. You know, it's like I don't. I I realize there's so much out there to be offered. It's like you just have to put yourself out there and see what's available. And so it's like, whether it's work, relationships, like no matter what it is, it's like, you just have to be willing to put yourself out there a little bit. That's kind of what I'm learning. Um, it's like, I can't be, I can't be so shut off and secluded away from everybody anymore. It's like, that's what protected me as a child, but that's not what's going to help me moving forward. And so it's like, just making those connections of change between back then and today. And it's like, really, like, 
I'm happy, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm sad that I'm having to go through what I'm doing, but at the same time, it's like, okay, it's like, it is what it is. It's a, it's a chance for a fresh start. Like I'm in a different city. I don't know a lot of people here. I have some friends and stuff like that, but it's just like, I'm away from family. I have an opportunity to just really work on myself, like work on a company, just go on an actual healing journey to just be a better person. And it's like, that's what I'm honestly excited for is like, I know I'm not a bad person, but it, it excites me to know that I could be a much, much better person. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And it's good that you said, you used some words there towards the end of this podcast, the end of the show, is that you, you used some words like happy, um, excited, all these things that are, that you probably would not have, words that you wouldn't have used when you were younger, but now you're starting to see there's a, even though you may be going through these things, you know, there's things happening in the background there, but... There's, a, there's, they always say that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and there is, and and exactly. your your tunnel is that you can see, you can you can reach out to it now. It's coming, yeah, yeah, it's coming, and so like I know it takes a while, and it's like everybody's journey is different, you know, everybody's healing process is different, and it's like I hate the old cliche. It's like oh, just put a smile on and be happy, you know, because it's like for some people it's not it's not that easy, you know, it's like. Some people don't wake up just in a good mood. Maybe they had terrible dreams and stuff like that. And so it's just like, the main thing to know is it just, it does get better. You know, it's like, they kind of say it's like time heals everything. And with that, that one, it's true to an extent, but it's like, you'll still always remember those memories. Like you'll drive somewhere and hear the song and that memory will come back with you and that person. And so it's like, time heals all things if you let it. And it's like, you just, you can't just let time pass by and idly pass by it's like during that time you have to work and figure some things out it's like if you do it if you do that during that time it's like you will come out of it a better person you are going to be happy you know it's like you're going to learn a lot about yourself and it just you're just going to set yourself up to be just such a better position like five years from now and so like that's what i'm really hoping for is just put in some good like personal work now and so five years from now I will be able to look back and I can see a lot of the growth and process change that I've gone through. That's why it's important. And before, before we kind of wrap it up, I was going to say to you, um, what's, in terms of, do I have to say that? Football, I was about to say soccer then. Football, do you still follow it? And, and, you know, the teams that you follow, the people, or the players that you follow, are they, are they, you know, do you ever go to games? Or, you know, what's your kind of passion, passions now? So, uh, I'm really big into going to the gym now. Like after, like after school and everything, it's like I've always been a competitive person. You know, I like to compete. I like to do things like that. And so um, it doesn't look like it right now, but I've lost like 30, 40 pounds since everything. So it's like I used to. I was in competitions and stuff like that. And so I like going to the gym. I like doing competitions. And so I'm trying to get back into that now. Um, it's like I'm feeling a lot better. I'm not, I don't feel as depressed and sad. So it's like I'm starting to feel better. I'm getting to the gym. I'm trying to eat healthier, you know, just feel better overall. Um, but Austin, they actually have, we have a football team here. Um, and so it's like this, the stadium isn't far from our house. And so we'll go watch a match every now and then. It's like, it's a beautiful, a beautiful stadium. It's a nice pitch, like the, the fans there. I say they're great for American fans because it's like if you go across the country and you watch a soccer game or a football game across the country, the fans are way better. 
like way, way, way more into the game. And so it's like, I think for an American game and American stadium teams, I think it's great. Like the atmosphere is great. It's live, like it's loud, except like electric. So it's like, I like going to the football games. I like going to the gym and it's like right now, more than anything, now that it's starting to warm up a little bit, it's like, I like going outside. I like being outside, taking the dogs on walks, hikes, just, I don't want to be cooped up in the house. That's not good for anybody. Yeah. Like if, if you're depressed, if you're depressed and sad, go outside, get some vitamin C or vitamin D, whatever it is, you know, just feel better. Like it just don't trap yourself away. Like people talking to people just like this, like talking to people, going through like different interactions. That's what's going to help make the change, you know, because it's like, you're not going to feel better just being by yourself all the time. And so it's like, I'm just trying to get out of the house. I'm trying to be active. I want to eat better, you know, exercise. I want to go talk to people, things like that outside. It's just, I'm just trying to stop shutting myself off from people so much. I think you kind of said it there, but if there's anything that you you would want to say to anybody, so the listeners out there, you know, a couple of lines, what would you say to somebody who maybe have gone through the things that you've gone through or gone through or going through things at the moment, just life, you know, the things that are going through life, what would you say to them? Just like as a man, it's like you hear them all the time, like mental health, like I feel like men get such a bad rap for trying to talk about their mental health, like, oh, well, you're being a woman or you're acting like a woman or something like that, you know, it's like, oh, you're showing your emotions and it's like, I, I believe that's wrong. Like anybody as a human has feelings and if those feelings are strong enough they can do good things or they can do bad things and it's like i believe that if you're feeling somehow you should or some way you should have somebody that you should be able to talk to and it's like it doesn't matter if you grew up with somebody like my dad or my parents who are like don't believe in medication you know it's like they almost think like Scientologists they just don't believe in medication they think you can heal yourself you're fine you know you don't have any kind of ailments that's not correct like there's hope out there for a reason and you shouldn't feel embarrassed or ashamed to find somebody to get help like at the end of the day it's like everybody deserves a set amount of respect like everybody deserves love like self-worth everybody deserves to be happy and if you want to be happy and somebody's going to try to tell you that you're not a man because you want to be happy, they don't know what it's like to, they don't know what it's about being a man. You know, there's a lot more to it than just being a guy. And so it's like, if you're out there and you're struggling, like reach out to somebody, get help because it'll never get better unless you try to actively change it, work on it the same as anything else. And it's like, obviously the same anything else, the more effort and work and practice you put into it, the better you're going to get at it. And so it's just, don't suffer in silence. You don't have to. There's people that care and there's hope that you can get. Thank you. Thank you for that announcement. The listeners out there, you know, um, listen to this. You are listening. Obviously, clear. you got to this point and you listen to the story. Um, you know, he, um, Levi's able to, to overcome the things that he, and he's still on his journey like we all we all are um but it gets better over time and it and it and it will and like I said there's people out there that will listen to your story um so i'd like to say thank you levi for for coming on the show it's been thank you for thank you for having me it was my first podcast ever and it's like, like i said it's hopefully it helps a lot of people out there but just being able to sit down and talk to you it, it helps me a lot um so thank you like i 
I feel honored. I was, I'm appreciative. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And, then, and also, just before you go, what, if anybody wants to contact you, or you, you're, are you, mm-hmm. you're on Instagram. Can you kind of let them, I am. Big, them big yourself up and kind of let people know if anybody wants to talk to you about what you've been through after hearing this podcast or even now um, for you to give them advice. What is your Instagram? Where can you be found? And even, and even, so, and even yeah. also as well, I'll say big up your business as well. Um, so it's like for anybody that feels like they just need somebody to talk to, it's like, yeah, I'm always there. So it's like, again, I know how it feels and I don't want anybody to ever feel like that. And so it's like, you can always find me on Instagram. Um, it's just Levi William Weddle, um, L E V I William and then Weddle W E D D L E. And so it's like my Instagram is not private. You can go in there, you can add a friend request. You can shoot me a message anytime. Like if you just want to chat, like I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, but I get on Instagram most of the time. It's like Facebook is always a way to get a hold of me. And it's just Levi Weddle. Um, again, L E V I W E D D L E. But anybody out there, like I said, they can shoot me a friend request, anything they need. If they feel like they need to talk, they don't know who to talk to. They don't know who to reach out to. It's like, if this even inspired them in the, in the littlest, like reach out, you know, it's like, if you need to talk to somebody up here. And what's the name of your business as well? Big that one up as well. So. I'm still working on it. I'm in the middle of getting the LLC set up. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I don't technically have a name now. I guess it would be more or less uh, some kind of DBA. Like I don't have it set up yet, finalized, but I am working. So it's like, I've I've been working for probably like three, since the beginning of the year. So it's like my LLC should be set up soon. So I'll have to know, like I'll have to figure out what, what they allow me to get my name set up as, make sure nobody else has it set up yet. But there's some, some probably around like 512 mobile auto or something like that, you know, nothing crazy, just something simple. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Yeah. And when, once you do set it up, we'll, I'll have you back on to, I'll have you back on before, but I'll have you back on again to kind of pick up your, your, um, your business. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm excited. That's that.